Hello everybody and welcome to WTS212. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Danny? I am absolutely loving life in lockdown, Graham. How are you? Oh yes. Yeah. Leash is in lockdown. Lovely how, Leash how in lovely the, lockdown. How is the lovely metropolis of Leash and their residents currently? Uh, yes, I mean, to be honest with you, I think most people have just kind of just kind of got on with it. It's a little bit quieter. I went to the shops the other day, it was a bit quieter than it has been over the last couple of weeks, but I don't know, like, I've seen on social media a few people giving out and whatnot, you know what I mean? And it seems as though Leash is the least offensive of the three counties that are letting the country down, so to speak. But, um, you know. It's all Kildare, isn't it? Kildare, yeah. And I mean, awfully in general, lets the country down. It's it's only second to Leitrim <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> you give Leitrim an awful lot of stick on this show. I do. Shout out to Rachel Martin, who I have a lot of time for. <laughs> and Charlie McGettigan. And of course, Eurovision Sensation. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favourite guests of all time. But uh, yeah, how are you keeping? Because you're not in lockdown. You're just living the dream. Yeah, grand. Wow. Current, currently sporting a beautiful Andre the Giant. Is that a hoodie or a t-shirt? It's a tee. I, I like it. I like it. There's some great archive photographs of Andre recently on some of those Instagram pages. Um, <laughs> photos that I haven't seen before. I love all that. Yeah. Like there's a photo of him with Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon Jr. and some other wrestler and they're just drinking in a bar. Love it. Love it. The stories about Andre. I really enjoyed it. It was it was HBO that made that Andre the Joint documentary, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, really enjoyed brilliant. that, man. Really enjoyed brilliant. that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. I know we, we had a couple of weeks off. I, I was on uh, leave as such. Uh, that didn't really have anything to do with why we had a couple of weeks off. We just... <laughs> <laughs> and as as you'll hear uh, what I guessed this week, uh, he thought we were recording last week, we thought we were recording this week, it was a bit of a hodgepodge, but he was a gent and he managed to sit down with us this week and record, so, yeah. And after maybe four years of asking him on and off, who was it, Danny? Who was our guest this our, week? On our guest this week 12. is the OG of Irish podcasting, the wonderful and brilliant, the man behind the Irish man abroad, the one and only Jarlett Regan. Jarlett, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks a lot for having me, boys. Big fan of the show. You boys have been a massive help to me over the years, so thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks, oh, really? that, that means a lot. Thanks, man. It's a lot. Holy shit, I've got yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, podcast <laughs> over. That's all I wanted <laughs> to hear. Time. So, um, like, thanks, thanks very much for joining <laughs> yeah, yeah. us, uh, See you next week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mad, though, Jarlett, Obviously, look, when you're, when you're doing podcasts, you can't help but kind of look at who's around you and look at, you know, who else is doing what kind of thing. And, you know, we'd never claim to be uh, anything professional or anything like that. We've always maintained we're just two lads from Ballybrack who have got extremely lucky in the amount of people who have agreed to talk to us. Um, but then, like, we listen to an Irishman abroad and, like, it's similar in the sense of it's a long-form chat or whatever, but, like, you actually... You actually get great stuff out of people, whereas me and Meryl talk to them about spice bags. Like some <laughs> some of the people you have managed very, to very modest there. No, man. Some of the people that you have managed to speak to down the years, like it's a fucking who's who of Ireland over the last 30, 40, 50 years, you know? It's amazing, like. Well that, I, to be honest, thank you for saying that. And to be honest with you, that was always the plan. I, mm. I didn't, you know, have a master plan, but I, I did think 
how cool would it be? And I think that so much podcasting begins with passion. If you're mm. not passionate about it, quit it. Don't do it. Don't even attempt it. Don't even try to start a podcast with something you aren't passionate about. Because when it gets hard, it's going to kill you. And it's also just going to come across in the audio. And I, I honestly have been passionate about interviews and really curious about these greats uh, all my life. And as you say, I started out getting names that I shouldn't have been getting. But because podcasts were so new, I really felt like if you worded the email right back in 2013 and you went about it the right way, they would say yes and you make it easy for them. So I wound yeah. up getting a few ones early doors that I I think paved the way for everything that will follow. Yeah. Do you know what I do, when the episode I loved and um, it kind of made me think, Jesus, like Jarla hasn't, because you admit it, this is the episode, the first time you interviewed Finn Balor and at the oh, outset, yeah. you, you admittedly said that you didn't really know the background into professional wrestling or how things go in terms of how do you progress and you wouldn't know that from the interview like you did you did go very I did the research yeah yeah, yeah 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 you did it all and and that that was a brilliant uh, interview because we interviewed Finn Balor as well and the man is an absolute gentleman but with the interview I found with That's yourself so he was he was um he was buzzing off your questions and well, that this is the thing. That I always think that, yeah, I get that with you guys too, though, that the, you know, your job is to ask the questions that the listeners want answered. And in so many ways, I could have looked at it as a negative the way some interviewers do, where they're like, I've got to now pretend that I know all about uh, WWE when in <laughs> fact I know fuck all. <laughs> you're, you're, you're way better off just being you and going, I knew nothing about this until I started looking into you and who you are. And then mm. I launched myself into it and watched everything. And suddenly, yeah, you come to it with a youthful enthusiasm of somebody who's going, I landed on the planet WWE and it turns out it's an amazing place to live. And I totally get it now. <laughs> and I, I definitely think that the, you would probably uh, agree with this. The curiosity is the center of all of this. And anytime you see somebody on whether it's radio, TV or podcast being interviewed poorly, it's usually because the person doesn't isn't that interested it just doesn't care that much yeah, uh, yeah so whatever whatever much. way you do it yeah and you can smell it and we all have a radar for sincerity if it's being faked or if it's phoned in uh, whatever whoever i'm talking to i always 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 think how can i get fascinated with this person and what they do and jesus was finn balor lad from bray <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes goes to japan and like a, a thousand squats a day like was the figure he gave me yeah like he was a scrawny kid who went to his careers advisor and said i want to be a pro wrestler and they went you're going to be a builder and <laughs> you know he has he has proven them all wrong like he's yeah. he is a fucking icon of wrestling no question. Yeah. And he hasn't um, had a carb since about 2010. 
Yeah, real in, real inside baseball here, right? So when I talked to him, I had to jump through all the hoops of fire to get the WWE to sign <laughs> off on. Yeah. When are you gonna talk to to Van Bauer and what kind of questions you're gonna ask him, bro? Uh, they don't all talk like that, but that's how I read all their emails. <laughs> uh, and then I record it, right? I record it. And, you know, one of the things that I kept asking him about was the thing that loads of people don't aren't aware of. Like, as everybody goes, oh, sure, it's all fake and all, all that. Uh, however choreographed it may be, the guy is jumping off the top rope into a table onto which he needs to then springboard onto the railing where the crowd is, the opportunity and the chance of injury is so vast that that really, really shocked me the more I went into it. So the one feedback I got from the WE was, why did you keep asking him about injury, bro? Like, I don't don't know why you kept asking. Because it's extraordinary. Like, it's extraordinary, the risks they take. And then... You know, Finn comes back on the show like two years later when he's had this catastrophic injury to his arm. Yeah. It yeah. was so weird to then Shoulder, talk to yeah. him. He nearly tore his arm off. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he continued oh. the match as well. Yeah. Because it happened no, during no, the absolute, match. They're, yes, they're bananas athletes. Like, they're yeah. just, I, I won't hear a bad word about them. And And again, I was one of those people that didn't didn't get it. But like the, like you say, I'm sure you've had this experience with your show. You just learn so much. Like I've learned so much in seven years of conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so much that you would not have known had you not spoken to these people. We interviewed Finn Balor in Dublin and um, when he was home. And it was so surreal because me and Danny would be a fan of WWE and we would have been watching him on the lead up to interviewing him. Um, just on the storylines mm-hmm. or whatever. And then I found myself in a scenario where I was picking him up on at 11 o'clock on New Year's Day in my Ford Focus outside his mom's house. And then we're driving <laughs> up to where we record. And I'm just in the car. I'm at the red light at Ballybrack Village kind of going, you're like, you're Finn Balor. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mental. But that's, he, like, we knew, we knew mutual, mutual people. Um, and he was just so modest and so sincere, and he's just a lovely, lovely dude. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Lego thing really blew me away. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That as well. We bought Mad him into Lego, his Lego. Like listeners, really should go back and get get uh, get a listen to those episodes because, I mean, I said it to him like, how do you come down? Like I know myself from stand up, it is very hard to come down from the adrenaline mm. of two hundred people laughing at you hanging on your every word. Uh, how would you come down from, you know, the whole stadium chanting your name? <laughs> and his yeah. answer was Lego. <laughs> was, yeah. So you bought him yeah. Lego, did you? Yeah, we bought him Lego. Danny bought him Lego. What was yeah. the Lego, Danny? I honestly, I can't remember, to be Is honest. Was it Star Wars, was it? It could have been. It could have been Star Wars, yeah. I just, I just, my, besides, like, loving doing that interview, my overriding memory of that is uh driving up from celebrating russian new years being very hungover and if i had been stopped on the way there definitely would have been questions over the smell of my breath 
Or wouldn't and, be an uh, interview. Yeah, like it was just <laughs> very, very hungover. Managed to hold it together for the whatever it was, hour, hour and a half we, we, we spoke to him and then went home to my house and just on the sofa had a little cry. Like, I was not the better, of, <laughs> not the better the night before. Like, <laughs> Dan, <laughs> oh, you 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 um you started an idiot or an idiot. Sorry, apologies, an idiot abroad, an Irishman <laughs> abroad in twenty thirteen. Um, where was was there a, a kind of did you research podcast on the lead up to it? And in terms of your stand up, was it tricky to balance both at the start? Or honestly, the research was listening to uh, everything I could lay my hands on during a really weird period in my life where I was trying to figure out, could I move to England? The, the, my story of moving abroad wasn't your typical stand-up comedian story, which is literally just pack your bag on your bike, get somewhere to live and begin. Uh, mm. I had to kind of lay the groundwork in England uh, and bit fill my diary before I could move my wife and my son over. And that took time. Like I would say that took two years of airport floors, couches, shite gigs in the middle of nowhere, gigs that, you know, should have been paying you, mm. but wouldn't pay you because they have a policy that you have to do an open spot. And only thing that kept me company during that time were the podcasts I listened to and it took me a while to connect the dots. It definitely did take me a while to go. <laughs> you know, it's like Homer Simpson. If he can teach it, class, <laughs> maybe he can teach it, class. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was like, there, there, I loved in, I loved conversation is what Irish lads do. I mean, I was yeah. saying that podcasts are the new pints uh, in that in the past you used to have to put four pints in front of a, a lad uh, to get him to open up. Now you put two mics down and say this is going on iTunes on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But definitely we did an apprenticeship in conversation and uh, I, I loved good quality chat and the, honestly your listeners will know this as well as anybody that like I said at the very start, the company, the intimacy that you get through a long form interview and conversation like that, kind I can't think of anything similar. I guess, is there anything similar? It's certainly like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll listen to stuff and it's like there's a serendipity. There's like, hold the phone. Maybe it's because these, the items of information that, resonate with you really resonate with you as they're in your ears and you're in this contemplative state as you listen to it but like i had some proper like holy shit moments Dead. listening to stuff and i was just like i i, I want to do this and i i i didn't have a packed diary and that was half the reason for doing it, it was like well i know loads of people that have made it over here and in the same way Mark Marin kind of started his podcast from a place of how the fuck are you famous and I'm not. <laughs> My podcast started from, if you listen to the early Mark Marins, that's really what the show was about. But my podcast was about how do you do this? How do you emigrate and yeah. survive, not go mad, not let the loneliness kill you 
and not let the anger or the resentment you might have leaving get at you survive thrive roll with the punches all of that i was asking all those questions in the first 50 to 100 it was therapy for me and uh, y- you know balancing the comedy never it never really came up I mean, it was one episode a week it's the highlight of my week and pretty soon it started generating work and gigs actual people that heard you on the show and wanted you to come and do their gig so you know it one helped the other yeah yeah it's like it it has definitely been one of the flagship Irish podcasts over the last seven years and it's like it's <clears throat> I, I don't know I'm, I'd be the same as you that like when you're listening to podcasts you do you kind of submerge yourself into them and you almost feel like you want to interject sometimes and be like oh yeah i heard something <laughs> about that but then you realize i'm not actually in the fucking room with them i'm not sitting down having a point it's you know what yeah. i mean it, it, and, and that's yeah. the beauty of it that is absolutely the beauty of it and i think like what you've managed to do was capture that really well and you do capture these like beautifully intimate moments with with some guests where you kind of almost get a vulnerability with them that you wouldn't hear if it was just a, you know, 10 minutes with Ryan on the late night or, you know, seven minutes with whoever on RT radio or whatever the case may be. And that's, that's yeah. like when you capture that stuff, man, it is, it's, it's, it's second to none. Like, uh, thanks man. I mean, uh, I, I do owe that an awful lot of that to the form, the format, right. Mm. The, the extended period of time, like who knows, who knows what podcast Ryan might put out if he was actually put to the pin of his collar and said, you're going to have a 90 minutes with this person. Who knows where that chat goes? Because certainly it would force him to shut the fuck up. Like all <laughs> due, due respect to Ryan. He, he, people are like, I keeps interrupting. They're like, he's got to get to the fucking ads. He's got to get to the point that he wanted the person to say, he's got to get to the thing he wanted them to come on and talk about. Whereas the luxury of time that 90 minutes gives you, with no one watching, right? Nobody's watching your body language, your eyes, or what you're wearing, or judging your hair. Uh, you only find that in there, and that is how those moments come about. And also, you know, shutting the fuck up is a big part of it. Like mm-hmm. I do, I I write it inside every notebook that I keep with notes in it. A Ramdas quote: "That's the quieter you become, the more you hear," and I I really live by that. As a dog barks in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, you're you're 100 right, and that's like often we, we've and like after we record, myself and Mero always going to catch up for a few minutes after, and we'll sit there and we'll be like, we didn't ask as many questions as we thought we would because people just talk and you just sit and you just listen, and mm-hmm. you, it's almost like we're captivated by what they're saying. So we're almost just sitting there, like just not knowing how to actually ask the next question because what they're saying at that exact moment and that exact time mm. is so uncaptivating that we're like, just keep, just talk forever. Just Jesus, don't yeah. let us But again, the you're modest there again though, because, you know, they're not talking just because you're giving them space. I fully believe the reason why people open up to you guys is because of, again, that radar people have for when they know someone's listening and they know you are listening and they know you care like by your research and all the rest, lads. Like, I, I really do believe that, you know, these these moments that you're describing, they only come about through that attention to detail and that, you know, actual 
listening, care, care and attention that way. Yeah. But you've managed now to get to a place with the success of Irishman Abroad where it's 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 spawned almost mini uh, series, I suppose, or whatever. With you've done mm. one on crime uh, recently. You've been doing the uh, the America series, like mm-hmm. you. And and now you've managed to say, Do you know what, I'm I'm backing myself and I'm going behind Patreon. How did you come mm. to the decision to to do the kind of spin offs and then ultimately say, I got to fucking back myself. I believe in what I'm doing, and, and I'm just going to hit the button, and people will follow. Well, uh, yeah, it's a big question, isn't it? And, you know, to to a large extent, I think it's hard. Patreon's a hard one to explain to people mm. because it's new. It's so new. You're kind of writing a new language. It's a new economy where, like, I'm still giving people free podcasts. Like, they're all, I think you've got to create more free. You've got to continue to respect the people that are like, I like your show. I don't want to pay for it. And I have 100% respect for those people. That's how I got into it. And I don't pay for 99% of the podcasts that I listen to. But the ones I love, I do. Yeah. Because I want yeah. them to continue. And I I get that that's where the world's moved to. That, that idea that, well, it won't go on unless... Those that love something get behind it. And, you know, current situation, COVID-19 has shone a light on that. We've seen so many things fall by the wayside that's proven that this is the case. So, so much of my decision to put, actually, it's more like opening the doors, really. We're not closing them or closing things off. What we've done is said, I'll loads of our episodes weren't available anywhere they had disappeared off the the hosting platforms because of the limitations of how many episodes they'll let you put up Mm. so we had like 250 episodes 300 episodes with people like tom von lawler boy george dylan moran gabriel byrne sharon horgan lisa hannigan that no one could hear uh so in, in one of the driving ideas was well wouldn't be great. People want to hear that. You know, they want to hear those episodes. Yeah. So let's open the doors to the archive. And as you said, I started these other little series like Irishman Behind Bars, Irishman Inside Basketball, Men Behaving Better. Uh, fuck, I can't even remember the names of the other <laughs> ones. But they're all they're all little passion projects. Like they're all totally driven by. Oh, I'm really passionate about that like miscarriage of justice was something that I only realized, oh, I really care about this when making a murderer came along and I had the chance to do a tour with Dean Strang and Jerry Buting, the two Mm. lawyers from making a murderer, two exceptional men. And I realized I actually really care about this. And they, they kind of explained to me that police corruption, miscarriage of justice, if you don't think it's happening in your country, you're blind and you're living in a state of ignorance. So I started to dig around a little bit and I realized, oh Lord, there's an innocence project in Ireland. There's dozens of cases of people being utterly screwed by the cops here, there and everywhere, all around Ireland, cases coming up, letters coming into this innocence project constantly. And then of course, there's these other stories from our history, not just of potential miscarriages of justice, but actual they hung the guy he didn't do it 
He never said he did it. There were evidence to produce that was produced that said he didn't do it. And in 2017, Michael D. Higgins pardons the guy. I mean, some of those stories just aren't getting the light shined on them that should be. So I was like, well, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. do it. And Why don't you honestly, think they're getting making... the, the light they need? Um, I don't it's tricky think one, isn't it? it's, yeah, it's, well, like one of our cases is obviously the Guildford Four. Mm. And, you know, I think people grow weary, one, people grow weary of it once they've heard the story once. Uh, secondly, it depends on who's telling the story. Like Stephen Avery's story has been around a long time, but they told it really well. Serial was the same. That story was around, but nobody had told it well. It's how it's told, right? It's got to be told well. And the second thing is, look, it's actually easier to live in a world where you're not thinking about how justice doesn't necessarily get served and the system is skewed. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, what we've seen in America in the last while is just you know, so hard to, to deal with and consume. For so many people who are in these situations, they're like, "This is not a surprise. This is yeah, yeah. This is just this is just the proof of what we've been saying for so long." So that that you know, I've gone off point there, but I made these little series like that one, and the you know, Irishman Inside Basketball is a full full on nerd fest. I <laughs> love basketball. I was going to say you're a big you're a big basketball fan, yeah. Yeah, but also, you know what? I love it. I love it. I don't just love it because, you know, the the Clippers beat the Blazers last night. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love it because of, again, the stories, right? I find the stories in the game and the story of the game and how it elevates people from poverty truly extraordinary in the way people might love boxing that way. That, like, boxing is... He was a kid who had nothing and, you know, wound up in prison. The Tyson story, the, like the, there's a there's myriad stories from the NBA and NCAA that uh, I, I try to find as many as I can. And with Irishman Inside Basketball, I tried to find Irish stories of Irish guys that went and nearly made the pros or did make the pros in the case of Pat Burke, the only Irish man ever to play in the NBA. And then the kind of stories underneath the stories. Like, we all watched The Last Dance. Truly amazing. Yeah. But two guys told that story before anyone, right? So Roland Lazenby uh, wrote the Michael Jordan autobiography and was also wrote another book called Blood on the Horns where he travelled with the Bulls during that final season. And that book is ten times better than The Last Dance. But nobody knows about it. And I was like, I get in touch with this guy and he's like, yeah, I'll talk to you on your podcast. <laughs> I'll do that. And suddenly, you know, you're in this conversation with this dude and, you know, no one knows more about the yeah. darkness of Michael Jordan than Roland Lazenby and also the greatness. Uh, and equally, we had Sam Smith on who wrote The Jordan Rules, which was, of course, the book that maybe the most controversial American sports book ever written because the first time anybody said, hey, Michael Jordan isn't all shiny and deadly. Uh, yeah. He's actually kind of horrible to his teammates. The first time anybody had said it and the guy nearly got run out of the country for saying it. Um, so again, it, it's just curiosity and 
passion that produces these series. And I just thought, this is worth something. And if I want to continue doing this, especially considering that now my stand-up job doesn't exist anymore, uh, Patreon is 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 the way, is the way forward to keep giving people great stuff, keep growing what you can make, uh, while still serving the people that want to have it for free. And you've you've kind of you've doubled down on that by putting your new comedy special on Patreon as well. Yes, and yeah, and I mean, the plan was the plan was Netflix, the plan was Prime, but then they like kind of went into lockdown of their own accord the second mm. all of this happened and any conversations we were having there were like oh we've got to hold on to see how things pan out and yeah that's not fucking any use to anybody and i hate that in, in all of this the amount of rich people and rich interests and companies that are like we're just gonna not play this round we're gonna hedge our bets like fuck you there's people that rely on you to just make some sort of a decision but instead, they'll be like, we're just going to let people go. And that's essentially what they did. So I was like, let's take back the power. You know, the day of the gatekeeper is gone. And in so many ways, your show, my show, it's all built on the idea. You'll never give me a radio show. I'll fucking make my own then. And I love that. There's just so much, there's so much in that that I love. I love doing my own artwork. I love having my own uh, channel. <laughs> I just love nobody. Nobody tells me what to do. I was never meant to work in an office, even though I did for a while. <laughs> but I was never suited to that. And this is, you know, this is, this is for me. And you know, I've never been happier doing anything. And I honestly would have struggled during the time I was in an office, hated getting out of bed, dragging myself late for work every mm-hmm. single day just because I couldn't do it. And loads of people listening to this will know that feeling. Cannot get off the bed. I was account executive for a graphic design company who designed the brochures for property developments, a new way of living on the south side. <laughs> I mean, oh, truly man. head melting. I, I and everyone in there. Oh. Yeah, well, did you do that pain. kind of thing? Uh, yeah? I, 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 I do freelance copywriting, and oh. I have I have penned my fair share of property brochures over the years. Oh lord! So when yeah, people it's... are reading that absolute wank material of contemporary living, that's me. Sorry, oh, lads. With a yeah. slice of spice, and it's oh, like, uh, <laughs> I, I. I I honestly hated getting out of bed and couldn't do it. But ever since, you know, I started this and kind of probably since lockdown when I went, right, comedy's done. You know, comedy's not. Comedy, comedy's not done. The way I look at it is this. Live comedy and live entertainment is in a coma. And it won't blink its eyes open unless we support our creators our stand-ups we buy their specials buy their albums on Bandcamp or wherever or on patreon mm. it won't blink its eyes open it just won't come back to life but it will if we support them now i'm not here begging i'm not forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do but i do think if you're providing value and you have a good thing that 
these methods are ways for artists to keep their life support machine on. And I've been saying this everywhere I go to talk about the special, to talk about Patreon, because, you know, there are other people not as lucky as me. There's just so many comics I know who are quiet right now and are struggling hard. And I know there's there's bigger struggles taking place. But I tell you what, when all this is over, we won't look back on this period and frame pictures of reeling in the years. We'll understand it and we'll interpret it through the art that comes from it. And that just won't happen by magic. And the fucking government ain't going to do it. They're not going to step in. Yeah, well, that that's definitely fucking true, man. That's definitely true. Do you worry at all, uh, and I'm probably going on a bit of a side note here, but, mm. like, I, I agree with what you're saying, and then, like, I thought, like, like my, my girlfriend doesn't consume... Fiancé, fiancé. Fiancé, she's going to listen to this, <laughs> and she's going to... She's definitely going to put something in my food to make Fix me regret that. Post. Fix it in post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> My fiance, uh, she she doesn't watch like traditional TV. She doesn't consume media or anything like that in the way that sort of you would normally consume media. She she's not she's like I mean she I better not fuck I'm gonna say it. She's turning thirty soon, but she probably has the mindset of kind of like somebody in their early twenties in terms of you know TikTok and all this kind of stuff, and that's where she gets entertainment from. Are you kind of worried, or do you think at all, then, that, like, the, the rise of these things, while, while they're great, and fair play to people who, who build a following on them and all that kind of thing, the attention span needed for your TikToks and your Snapchats and all that is is far less. So, like, the, the, the kind of art and the, the skill of creating a comedy special, is it potentially going to be lost to a certain generation because they only view and they only consume entertainment in 15 second clips? Yeah, it's a really good question, right? And I guess in years gone by, I've answered it like this, uh, that people want to consume entertainment in two ways, a UFC knockout or, (laughs) (laughs) or every season of Narcos back to back to back to back to back the longest possible form of entertainment possible or the quickest. Mm. I make no effort to be the quickest. My stand-up is stories. you got to strap in. (laughs) Come with me on the story. Whether it's the story of me giving my brother a kidney in my last special or in this one where it's just about making sense of the absolute dumpster fire that is Britain. <laughs> I think uh, you you kind of got to pin your flag to that mast. And if you're going to be Al Foran and be like, I'll do you the best 15 second Trump impression you've ever heard, more power to you. Mm. Uh, but you got, you got to pick. Uh, is there anything worse than watching somebody trying to cram their content into 15 seconds when it deserves a bigger space and it needs a bigger space. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, parts of my standup have been shared with just the lines, you know, just the subtitles underneath. And that's a big compliment too. Uh, I do know, I do know this, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that most traffic to 
podcast now comes through YouTube. That that getting that Joe Rogan experience of a couple of minutes of, oh, I would like to hear the rest of that. Mm. That in so many ways, your TikTok and all of that is your gateway. And uh, I'm I'm learning. I don't I don't ever pretend to I think the second you think you're on top of things, you're going backwards. I, I, I am the whole time trying to figure it out, get it right and, you know, evolve, evolve or die. And uh, I, I do think, though, that the the two things that you've mentioned there can coexist together. And your fiance, not mm. girlfriend. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, uh, who's to say that as she goes on, she doesn't get what loads of us get, which is absolute fatigue with the way in which we've consumed media. I think mm. one of the reasons for the rise of podcasts and the rise of YouTube and other forms of uh, entertainment delivery was because we're so fucking sick of the way it was being delivered on TV. Yeah, like, to, yeah. like, like, my son was like, Daddy, fast forward these ads. What What the fuck are we watching these for? He doesn't He doesn't curse a lot. He's nine years old. <laughs> He's always like, hey, hey, fast forward through this. <laughs> like, you know, they kind of sank their own ship in that way. And, you know, I, I would think that, yeah, TikTok's huge, man. And, yeah, sure, and Insta Story, massive. But, like they're they all whet your appetite right i, w- I want to watch more of that thing uh, yeah. and uh oh i never answered your part of that question about the attention span because you know to a large extent i think one of the reasons for your sense of mental fatigue you know your diminishing mental health is from the scroll is from the overwhelm that your brain feels uh, I've heard a number of people talk to me about how, you know, the human brain is actually quite a primitive thing and that it's not capable of sustaining all that stimulus and that it will tend towards the slower, longer form, stiller, consumable media uh, because that's what it's evolved to. The technology is faster than the brain. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like well, it's, it's definitely like, faster than Merlo's brain, anyway. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get in. You saw your spot there. You were like, I gotta oh, get this. <laughs> yeah, you, you got your payoff, your punchline. That's the only reason why you caught up with that. Well, it's funny that Danny brings that up because it, uh, to a like more serious scale as well. Um, you see it now in world politics, you see it with um parties, you see it with political parties that instead of getting and you see it with the trends as well in, in which way people vote i mean if you look at the 80 and the 40 bracket in our last Irish general election they all voted for say change um and i don't think they got their information from traditional media I, as in you know someone in their in their 60s or 70s that my i know my grandparents for example wouldn't be on social media and they get their news from rte so you can see political parties on social media kind of changing and they're doing their two minute clips to try and get as much information as they can. Mm-hmm. You can see you can see the the, the change party, so to speak, um, uh, bringing up two minute clips 
and their subtitles and they're getting buzzwords out. So, I mean, I don't think it's a worry, but it's certainly, it's you can see political parties adapting to that. Look at Trump, look at uh, Joe oh, Biden. They're all doing a minute and a half clips, two minute clips. The, the Lincoln Project yeah. that's trying to get Trump out, look at them. They're doing one minute, two minute, really hard hitting effective clips. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is... Is that something to worry about, or is it something like I know you you were saying there, Jared, that yeah. there's there's space for both, um, but is it a worry I that think, the spam? I think you're right. No, I do think it is a worry. It is yeah, a worry, yeah. right? It is a worry specifically on the on the grounds that you were talking about politically. Like politically, it is a worry. Uh, I, I was speaking specifically from an entertainment perspective, as a, you know, my my podcast hat on, and how yeah, I can survive in this, but politically. I mean, like you mentioned there, the Irishman in America podcast is this new series that I do with Marion McKeown, who people will know from Today FM, yeah. rowing with Cal Thomas on a Thursday evening with Matt Cooper. <laughs> oh, Cal She's Thomas un- wrecks my head. Oh, <laughs> listen, fully, fully, but fully I listen to hilarious individual. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, uh, the idea of that show is just to let Marion talk and not have that interruption going on. Let her explain it. And so much of it, what we get into there comes down to what you're saying, where she she's like, look, there is a, a part of America here that will, will vote for Trump if he shot a baby in the face and, and they're not going to change their mind. They're, they're like, yeah, baby probably had it coming. <laughs> I mean, they they don't consume long form media. They don't like Trump himself. She's she told me last week that it's kind of hundred percent confirmed. Does not read, not that he can't read, won't read. And that if you go to yeah, like if you go to a briefing with him, the story was well, what are you bringing to show and tell? Because you better bring something for him to look at with colors, shapes, visuals, video, sound, and you know he is reflective of what you're saying there and that is a that's a scary reality and last week we talked about how you know joe biden wouldn't take the cognitive test he was like i'm not going to take a cognitive test i don't need to take a cognitive test and i was saying to marion but that's really dangerous ground to go down Mm. because if we know one thing about trump that becomes a great little as you say really short soundbite that will ring in people's ears over and over again. Wouldn't take the test. Claims he's all there. Wouldn't take the test. You can just see people saying it. Take the test. You can see people chanting it. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Like, and the like. He's a schoolyard bully who every time he sees that kid, he goes, "Didn't take the test yet, have you?" <laughs> it, it's it's so juvenile, but you know, whatever uh, Cambridge Analytica, all of this stuff proved. The the influence of it is megaton <laughs> in terms of p- politics. Uh, maybe maybe I am uh, going the opposite direction in terms of entertainment. But uh, fuck, man, would you like to compete in that territory? Oh, I can imagine the stress of it oh. <laughs> every day churning out the little the little bits. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> no, it is. It's a, it's a different skill set, all right. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not my bag. That's for certain. Um, mm. But 
on the, the stand-up comedy piece, and you, you kind of handed us a segue there a couple of minutes ago, and then we went off on a different tangent. No, 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 that, that was us. That was us on the tangents, but you handed us the segue, and we just glossed over it. But you mentioned <laughs> uh, you mentioned the, the you referenced Organ Freeman, the the comedy special you done off the back of donating a kidney to your brother. Mm. Um, I'm sure you've answered the question a million times, but just for 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 those who don't know about the story and that kind of thing. Like, how did you come to the decision to make a comedy special after doing something as, and fair fucking play to you as well for, you know, donating a kidney? It's a big decision to make, family member or not. Like, uh, but how did you yeah. come to the decision to, like, you know what, I'm going to use that and I'm going to, you know, make people laugh, but also get a positive message and make people think as well? Like, well, I remember, like, I, I remember sitting on a rooftop in, uh, Minnesota with him uh, outside the Mayo Clinic after I'd done all my tests and you know like you don't know when you go to the tests they can just go nah you're not suitable you're mm. you're just not this is not going to work you're not the right blood type is the first thing uh, and then just you know there can be so many reasons like I never really thought that they'd go yep you are perfect. Not only are you perfect, but you've got one of the best kidneys we've ever seen. <laughs> they, said shit. They, said, they said stuff to me that I was like, this is comedy. Like, this is too funny. Uh, you know, uh, they, they, they did tell me I was, uh, I was obese. And like, I had never been slimmer. Like, I had gotten in shape for the tests. And they told me that I was obese and brought me into a, a room with a dietitian and got me to walk through what I eat. And uh, she told me, mm-hmm, this makes this makes sense. She said, you know, what what you have is something that we see an awful lot of in people from Ireland. And I was like, you what? Sorry, what? Wait, where's this going to go? I was like, what is coming next? Is this like, is she setting me up for a joke? She goes, what we see as a result of evolution, Irish people tend to have a, a carb sensitivity. (laughs) 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 I was like, I, I was like, are are you, you telling me that Irish people have evolved in such a way that we store, we turn carbs into sugar and store it as fat more than other nations. She's like, yes. I was like, so, you know, the famine would explain that. Like, that, <laughs> like you know, we're doing this so that if anybody takes our potatoes away ever again, we're going to be ready for that shit, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you're in these meetings and you're going no intention of writing a show about it mm. but like the, i sitting on the roof with my brother going i the i am this like i don't i'm not i this is how i make sense of the world and that if anything is overwhelming or hurtful to me the second i can make a joke about it I, i'm back in, I, i'm back in the game and i'm i'm sure you know that feeling that like when your family is going through something, if somebody can find the lighter side in it, 
the family's able to work through it in some way, whether it's a tragedy or something, or whether enough time has passed for you to be able to laugh about it. If your sister's marrying a gobshite, and then the family realizes, ah, look, fuck all we can do about it. We can only laugh at him and who he is. That it's suddenly more manageable. The decision to write a show about it, like on the one hand, it was like I said to him, I want to raise awareness because this is an amazing thing that I'm part of. But also, it was also part of surviving it. Mm. <laughs> so much of it. That's, I can't even... Darren, like, you, you, you got out of hospital after about four days, though, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I mean, this is the mad thing. I, I remember um, they, 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 like, I just seemed to be ready to go. They were like, get up if you can. And I was like, I got up and started walking around, like, a couple of hours afterwards Jesus. and they were like okay cool <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like walking around and you know I, I don't know I have I can't really explain it but I I definitely was up and about and they were like just keep walking that that will get you going and you know two weeks later I was back on stage actually in the three arena supporting Jack Whitehall and I kind of <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Like I, I was on like this is the this is the thing that was in the show. I was on such a high like for like weeks afterwards that they they did say that there'd be a come down and there was and I did go through like a tough time mentally when that wore off. But I tell you lads, no. What do you mean they told you there'd be a come down? They said that you know you you're gonna feel the highest high you've ever felt in your life. Just Just the endorphins. Well, there's first of all. You know, the show, the show Organ Freeman that I wrote is, is again behind the paywall on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. So if people want to hear the story, it is there. Uh, but you wake up, right? Well, first of all, you don't just wake up. It's not like, now go to sleep and we'll do the thing. You, you, you lie down. I can barely talk about this without getting emotional. Your brother's next to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucked up bit. He's like, thanks for doing this. <laughs> you bump knuckles with your brother. And then lights out, lights on. It's like that. It's like somebody flicked the lights in the room. And then they put them back on and said, only, only mess and Dougal. <laughs> yeah, that was a great sleep, Ted. <laughs> it's, it's literally like that. Lights out, lights on. You open up your eyes and you're like, I, I'm back in my room and they're like yeah it's done it worked your brother's grand his blood results are now better than yours which is a little fucking annoying to be totally honest <laughs> <laughs> but they said that balance out but you know that moment like the suddenness of it and the sense that like the the impact on him is so immediate like everybody dreams of saving a life right mm. you at some point in your life as a kid or whatever you think about being a superhero and saving somebody's life or you know a burning baby from a an on fire house <laughs> and you fucking you fucking did it like you did it and and uh, you know just that sense that like nobody can ever call you a prick again <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you're liberated from all of this shit. So there's all of that. You're getting so many claps on the back. Like it's it is like I always think that, you know, they never talk about that when they're trying to sell donor cards that like if you do donate, if you, particularly if you do, do a live donation, the feeling is fuck. It's it's off the charts. Like more people knew about it. There wouldn't be a single person waiting in a bed because they the people are running marathons and climbing Kilimanjaro. All you have to do is give them the spare kidney you have in your back pocket. Like everyone can, most people can survive with one kidney, not a bother. In fact, that kidney will usually double in size to compensate for the loss of its brother. Are you serious? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's my situation too. Not only do I have a super kidney, but once that one went, it chunked up and is now supporting me without any problem. And I have no health impacts. I can drink as much as I like whenever I like. I've never been fitter. Like, nobody knows any of this shit about live donation. Uh, so, yeah, that that was the other big part of it. I was like, I have to spread the word. <laughs> I have to spread the word. You're right, though. It's it's yeah. it's about um, education and, and, and information because um, I had a kidney stone maybe in 2017. And it was a staghorn kidney stone and I was in a precarious position. I've spina bifida. So my left kidney kind of leans into my spine. And I was in with the consultant and uh, he's thinking out loud uh, and he's like, I might just get rid of it. And I was like, yeah. And I, I was talking about the kidney stone. And I was like, how are you going to do it through laser, is it? Or I, I hear you can do it through keyhole. And he said, yeah. no. I, and, and he's just so blasé. And he's like, I might get rid of your, your left kidney. Because it's in a precarious position. I was like, excuse me? My my kidney? My organ? like?" And he says, yeah, what's the big deal? And I said, <laughs> I didn't expect to hear that you're going to get rid of my kidney today. And he says, um, well, he says, Graham, he says, he, he was basically trying to calm me down. And he was saying, you can live with an eighth of a kidney. So we're, uh, biology, we're still trying to f- uh, figure out why people are born with two kidneys, he said. Trying to kill me over, like. No, no, you, but, left out the, <laughs> you left out the key part of that story where you actually went in for a Mickey transplant. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think our listeners deserve to know the truth, Graham. So, you know. I, 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 the, the kidney wasn't removed in the end, Jared. The stone was removed. And when I was off my head on, on the, the morphine, I did ask the um, intent, our intensive care and our sort of recovery ward nurse, uh, did I get my free pubic trim while I was off my head? <laughs> She, God love her. She hadn't a clue what I was talking about. But yeah, no, it's like that. It's, oh, it's that you're informed. Like you know, I I never knew that. I never knew that you could live with an eighth of a kidney. I never knew that. You know, that some yeah. people are born with one kidney. And my my old basketball coach was born with one kidney, and he was taking the piss out of me when I rang him that day. And I said, look, he's after saying this, that, and the other, and he was taking the piss out of me for about 10 minutes and he was like would you ever wise up he says I've won I was born with one kidney I was like Jesus Christ people need to tell me this so would have relaxed <laughs> yeah I mean it is mad that like uh I'm like that show Oregon Freeman was it was a hard one to write and harder to perform and I you know I'll never write another show like it obviously because yeah. it it fucking killed me every night because there's more to the story. There's sto- parts to that story I'll never tell. Uh, and there's parts to that story that are just like it's an ongoing tale. Like, you yeah. know, life goes on afterwards. And 
you know, families cope with these things differently afterwards. But I'd never go, I'd never change it. And that's the thing, like zero regrets in, in that way. And if somebody is listening to this going, I have the chance to do this, should I do it? Contact me, get, get in touch, email me, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I'll talk to anybody about this. Like if you're yeah. in this situation, just come to me direct and I will pick up the phone. I've done this multiple times. Go for coffee. We'll just talk it out because if anything, just hearing other people's experiences will help, you know, fuck nuts. Lads, there's like kids in Vincent's tonight or in the Beaumont specifically mm. waiting for somebody to go, I'll do it. Like, that's mad to me. Considering we're all walking around with two two in the back pocket. Like, it, it, it is one of those crazy ones. And I'm really happy I wrote it. I'm really happy you that know, it's there for people did, to listen to. Did your, you did your brother or your family? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Danny. Sorry, Mary, I was just going to ask. Did, 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 uh, did your brother or your family come and see the show live, Charlotte? Um, yes. My brother never saw the show, but my parents did. Okay. Um, yeah, not an easy, not an easy watch. But uh, mm. at the at the end of the day, uh, look, families are weird. That's the end of that story. Do we know yeah. what the live donation numbers are, Jared? Uh, I used to. I used to have all this stuff. I rattle it off anytime I was doing I- interviews. But I actually don't know how COVID has affected things that way. Um, oh, because you know there's there's massive massive uh, screening like the the screening was constant in the lead up to check that you hadn't picked anything up mm. so i don't know but i should know and i i must look into that yeah it's um it, yeah look it is it's 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 an amazing story and it is as you said it's it's one of those things that um like ed- education will play a big part in it, but it's it's one of those acts that, as you said, nobody will ever be able to call you a prick again. And <laughs> exactly. I was just so, thinking about you know, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, like uh, honestly, like just to finish off there, that that was like one of the biggest parts of the show is that like, I honestly like a lot of Irish guys walked around, fretting over whether people thought I was sound, <laughs> and like it's the reason why so many lads buy rounds. Uh, do, does that person think I'm a prick? Does this person not think I'm sound? The motivation for so many Irish lads is to be considered sound. Some lads get married so that they convince the world, well, she can put up with me. I must be sound. <laughs> you know? uh, that that concern is gone once you do this. That concern is gone. And you get a little certificate and a scar. <laughs> um, with with Irishman Abroad then, so we've kind of talked about it and talked about like you've you've moved it to Patreon and, and one thing the other we've talked about the fact that you know a who's who of guests and and literally like name an Irish celebrity and you've probably talked to them at this point, but in the future is an apologies there I've dogs downstairs I've just had a little scrap together so if you can hear that I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> but in the future is there anyone who you haven't got to talk to yet that you're like that's that's have to have some Thanks point. Thanks for me question, Danny. No, what am I? That's what I'm here for. We are we are from Bally Black after all. Robin is a forte of ours. Um, but is is there oh, anyone that you're strung out to talk to? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you know, look, we all know who we want to hear talk, mm. and it's usually the people that don't talk. Like Daniel Day Lewis would be top of the tree, oh, yeah. right? Like once he agrees, I, I feel him. It'll be, it, it'll be fine. But getting to him agree is the hard thing. I chased Bob Geldof for six years and eventually he said yes the same with Colin Meany those were two interviews I desperately wanted and I thought we can do something here that's never been done with either of them and you know that proved to be the case I think that the, both of those interviews those lads have never given interviews like those yeah but they just not everybody wants to talk like I remember asking Lenny was brilliant. which them oh, I loved oh, mm. Colin's amazing he's just yeah. an amazing man and, you know, I remember asking someone to get in touch with Michael Fassbender because that would be an amazing one as well. Mm. And, you know, he's just like, I don't I don't really talk about myself. And I get it. Like, you got to respect that, right? Yeah. Like people like him and uh, Killian Murphy are like, well, that actually affects my work. Because if people get so hung up on who I am in real life, they're less likely to, you know, set that aside when I come to a role. So wow. I never, ever argue with it. Yeah. But look, how good would the Roy Keane episode be like? Just oh, yeah. like Roy gives good interviews and <laughs> <in the> stories. <laughs> Even when they're bad, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still listen almost, to those. You yeah. almost wish you caught them in bad form as well, just to get, Nearly. you know. <laughs> Nearly. Because I, look, I've had those. I, I remember talking to Dylan Moore and people can again go back and listen to this interview mm. where for 40 no I'd say 60% of the interview I thought he was going to walk really? I thought he was just going to get up and walk <laughs> and I swear to god it was a game of chess uh, at one point he said to me what is this like what what, what even like what are you what this is more of a David McSavage impression <laughs> <laughs> he said what is this how to get a job uh, a meaningful employment despite being Irish is that what this is and I was like no, Dylan, um, I, and like the, the worst part is that like I'm a huge Dylan Moran fan. So I had to kind of set that aside and be like, oh, but, but I like you. <laughs> Would you, you know, that experience was amazing because, you know, he kind of wanted you to row with him. He actually wanted a row. And the second I kind of gave him a bit of a, a bit of a row back. We were sorted. Everything was good. Uh, but yeah, I would say Daniel Day-Lewis, Roy Keane, top of the tree. That would be insane. Yeah. I, I also think the Gallagher brothers, like, either would be insane. Like, I just, I think that would be amazing. Look, I could I could keep going. We could do another hour of people because at the moment, yeah. I probably have 50, 50 to 60 different email strings going at the moment trying to line up the next guests and that's the job like that's the the deal half the deal is you know running the show making the show doing the episodes but like probably 60 percent of it is perseverance and asking people and trying to ask the right way at the right time and not quitting on those things so i won't quit and if people become patrons they'll 
get the access to those interviews in full. I mean, that's the thing. I'll still put up a brand new episode every week on iTunes and SoundCloud, but you hear the full thing without ads. Come over yeah. to Patreon. That's the idea. There's me plug. Love it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Irishman abroad, lads, make sure you're you're checking it out because if you haven't listened to it, if somehow you've managed to it's managed to slip past you over the last number of years, do check it out. You won't regret it at all. Um, but Charlotte, you have been more than generous with your time this evening. Um so thanks Ian for that and thanks for finally uh getting and putting time aside for us after us pestering you for a few years. Like you said, <laughs> persistence yeah. is the key. So Yeah. Yeah, and look, if I could just say one more thing, lads, like you're extraordinary at what you do. And I mean it that like your episodes have been a massive help to me over the years. And I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of your listeners too. keep doing what you're doing. I fucking love it. And I'll continue to listen to it as long as you keep making it. And thanks, that, that, that's, that means a lot, Jesus. man. Thank you. Um, and people can check out jigsaw.com as well. And um, yeah, just uh, you, social media, Jarlet, give that a plug as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, at Jarlet, the first Jarlet on Twitter, planted the flag early. <laughs> <laughs> that's deadly. That's the place to go. Classic. You're a gentleman. Thanks so much for that. Thank that was your lovely words. Thank you. Dog, I had the warm fuzzies after that chat, man. Yeah, that was lovely. His, his words to us were so lovely and, and very much appreciated. I was kind of yeah, blown away. He, I didn't expect it, so fair play to him. That's, that's neither, great. neither did I, because I only sent him 20 quid on Revolut, and I mean, <laughs> that seems to have done the job. Like, I thought he'd be saying a bit more than that now. Come on. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, though, like, one of the things I love about Jarlett's podcast is he he's a certain pitch and a certain tone that is just very calm and reassuring in general. Mm. So when he's talking or when he's asking questions, it's never over the top as such. But just even him just kind of telling a little bit of his story there. I oh, was, I was, I was just in caps. I was just like, Jesus, man, this is, I love him. Like he's a it's, gent. It's, it's, it's mad the way I remember, I remember Jarl, I think he might've been on the Late Late Show after he gave his kidney to his brother. And it was kind of like, you know, do what people do a live donation uh, of your kidney. And when you think of that concept, it's, it's mad, but he's trying to normalize it like he said there are kids there are there are men women they're they're all in hospitals in ireland now waiting for a kidney and yeah. we have two well, i have i have two but one's a bit weak uh, but i mean i don't like if he if he he like he said he was on stage two weeks later supporting mm. jack whitehall i mean when yeah. you think transplant, you think, Jesus wept, what's going to happen here? He's going to be in hospital for two, three months. But he was out after four or five days. Yeah. Mental. yeah. It's, a, it's such a great story. Like that is uh, on top of his Irishman Abroad podcast. And the, the spin-offs that he does as well about the American politics and yeah. uh, basketball and stuff. So it's definitely worth checking out. It is. It's, it's one of them. And I know kind of we talked about it before in that regard of like, at what point can somebody have too many subscriptions? There's only a certain amount of hours in the day. And if you're already paying for Amazon Prime and you're already paying for Netflix, you're already paying for all these other things. But, stop? It's, but, but I think the, the beauty of a podcast and subscribing to a podcast is that, one, it's always there. But two, you don't have to sit down and watch it. You can have it on at any point. You can have it on in the car. You can have it on now for a walk, out for a jog, or whatever it is. It gives you that little bit more flexibility. And to be honest, lads, when it comes to subscribing to podcasts you have to pay for, there's only there's two, only two that I recommend, Second Captains and Charlotte's. 
and that's yeah. just being you know truthful about it because so many interviews he's done down the years brilliant it's the, the guest though it's the guest you know? as well like it's a who's who of Irish yeah. Irishness Ab- <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely but um, anyways that yeah, was great re- really enjoyed that if you haven't check him out because uh, as I said his stuff is just it's second to none really is but uh, Mero thank, thank you for your time my friend yeah, let's go and get some guests for the next four or five weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel I feel like I feel like our approach has been a little bit behind the curve when Jarlett mentions that he has like 50, 60 email threads. I mean you have about two WhatsApp messages going. <laughs> Any ideas for next week? <laughs> oh man. Well, I did get in contact with Vincent Brown and I am awaiting his response. We, we, we did do have contact. a couple. We do have a couple yeah. in the pipeline. Let's not say anything. Let's not say anything. A-O-C. Um, A-E-W. I'm just shouting letters now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Mero, if people want to listen to the 211 episodes that precede this particular podcast episode, where can they go and find them? They can find them on WTSPod.com or else they can search WTSPod on any podcast provider. You can get it on Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Repub- Republic, Apple Podcast, anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast. And um, yeah. on Twitter been, as well at WTS Pod. Sorry to cut across you there. We've we've been added, I believe, to Google Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts. Oh, very good. Didn't even yeah. know it existed. So Google, yeah, so Amazon, we're, we're on yeah. Spotify as well. We're so Spotify everywhere. As well, yeah. um, and we're at WTS Pod on Twitter. He's at Dan John Murray on Twitter. I'm at Graham Merrigan on Twitter. And um, I enjoyed the toasted, untoasted poll that Gary, our WTS correspondent put up oh, yes and um, toasted bun is key 73 percent said toasted bun yeah. for your burger and 27 percent said untoasted bun for your burger so, tw- 27 percent so, of the population are deviants who can't be trusted that's what i've absolutely. learned and they, and they need a, a hard drive check okay so <laughs> until next week danny until next week <laughs> your eyes full hearts can't lose too sweet! <laughs> <laughs>